Our scripture reading this morning is from the first chapter of Philippians. First chapter of Philippians, we continue our study through uh, Philippians. We will read today verses uh, 18 through 21. 18 to 21. Would you please stand for the reading of scripture? What then, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. May God add his richest blessing to reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Again, our Father in heaven, we're thankful that you have spoken to us, and we pray that by the power of your spirit you would come and speak to us now, that we would see our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ high and lifted up and be drawn to him, that his sheep would hear his voice and knowing him would follow our good shepherd. So we pray that you would speak to us in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Be seated, please. There are two questions before the house this morning. What is your life And what is your death? The content of your death will be determined by the content of your life. In the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers, there was this terrible man named Balaam. He was what we might call a prophet for hire. It uh, seemed he could go with... Uh, whatever religion would offer him the best paid who prophesy what they wanted to hear. And as we read that as the children of Israel were wandering through the wilderness on the way to the promised land, Balak, the king of Moab, hired Balaam to curse Israel because he had heard what they had done to the Amorites and he was frightened. So he hired this prophet, this false prophet Balaam to curse Israel. But the Lord would not let him curse those whom he had blessed. And so the Lord put his true words in the mouth of the wicked false prophet and he spoke the truth of God. And at one point when the truth was forced into him and forced out of his mouth, Balaam said these words, Let me die the death of the righteous and let my end be like his. Every time I commit a body to the earth, I quote Revelation 14, 13, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. John Wesley, the great, one of the great preachers of the great revival in the middle of the 1700s in England said of his 
people, the early Methodists, quote, our people die well. Let me die the death of the righteous. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. And that's what we're going to think about today, dying well. And what it takes to get there. Let's get to it. First in this passage, you see more joy. More joy. Look at the middle of verse 18. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Paul is in prison. We saw in the previous passage that Paul had joy even in chains because the gospel was advancing through his imprisonment. Now Paul says he will go on rejoicing because, he says, this will turn out for my, for my what? The ESV Bible from which I'm preaching says it will turn out for my deliverance. The uh, NIV Bible, if you're looking in the pew, uh, it says the exact same thing, for my deliverance. As far as I know, The only English translation that gets it right, and I check most of the common English translation on this, but as far as I can tell, the only one that gets it right is the King James, which, as you know, came as no surprise to me. It says, this will work out for my salvation. Paul is not saying here, He knows he is happy, or he's happy because he knows he will get out of prison, though he will, and he's pretty sure of it. He's saying he's happy because his present circumstances in prison will work out for his salvation. What on earth does he mean? Well, he explains it in the next verse, verse 20. Look at it, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul says, I will not be ashamed. He's talking about when he stands before God in the great day of judgment. He is fully hopeful, or we would better say fully confident that in that day he will not be ashamed to stand before God. Paul is not saying that the experience of prison will save him or that he is in some way earning anything from God through his suffering He says clearly just a page later in Philippians 3, 9 that he had no righteousness of his own, only the righteousness that comes by faith in Christ. But in Romans 10 and verse 11, Paul says, whoever believes, simply believe, but whoever believes in him will not be 
ashamed. It's faith. Faith alone in Jesus Christ, what He has done for us, not what we have done for Him. It's His righteousness, not ours. So I ask again, how can Paul claim his imprisonment will work out for his salvation? He says, Christ will be honored in my body. And notice also in verse 19, he says it will be through the Philippians, prayers and supply of the Holy Spirit. You see, we're saved alone. We're saved by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. And Paul's imprisonment for Jesus, his bold witness for Jesus in chains as the Holy Spirit empowers him to do it. And the Philippians are praying for him to be strengthened. It all proves the reality and validity of his faith in Christ and it gives glory and honor to Christ, not Paul. Paul is telling us that his imprisonment is revealing what his life is. And his life is literally Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, Paul has become the thing he once wanted to destroy. You remember before he became Paul the Christian, the apostle, he was Saul of Tarsus, the Pharisee. And he tells us later in Philippians that back then he was a zealous persecutor of the church of Jesus Christ. He had just given consent to the stoning of Stephen and was on his way to Damascus to do to Christians what has now in Philippians been done to him to put them in chains. And on the way from persecuting Christians to persecuting Christians, he met the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And you remember the first words Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? in persecuting the Christians. He was persecuting Jesus. You see, the first reality Paul ever had to face when he met Jesus was that Jesus is so closely bound to his people that to attack his people 
is to attack him. They call that union with Christ. To be united to him. And it's the controlling truth of all Paul believes and teaches and preaches to be in Christ and for Christ to be in him. And now Paul is on the other side. He's the persecuted and his union with Jesus Christ is manifested in and through his suffering. His suffering reveals the fact that he is in Christ and he will be found in Christ at the last day and whoever believes in him shall not be ashamed and so he continues to rejoice. You see more joy. And secondly and finally in this passage, you see dying well. Dying well. Look at verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now we'll see in the next passage, Paul fully expects to get out of prison and go back to work, which he did. He's not saying this because he thinks he's fixing to die. But whenever he dies... It will be to him gain. Now let's think about this. You lose a lot when you die. Billy Graham said it. And every preacher since has ripped him off. But he said, I've never seen a hearse pull in a U-Haul. You can't take it with you. You lose a lot when you die. I don't know what your life is defined by, but chances are when you die, you're going to lose it. Maybe your life is defined by your marriage and family. When you die, you're not married anymore. Maybe your life is defined by your work. You're a workaholic. You're living for something you're going to lose. Maybe your life is defined by your hobbies. You'll lose them when you die. Maybe it's your house, your land, your possession, your automobiles. Maybe your life is defined by alcohol. Some folks live to get another drink. And those who are in its clutches the worst seem to me to be the most totally oblivious to it. To die is to lose it all. Turn with me a page ahead to Philippians chapter 3. And look at verse 7.
Philippians 3, 7, but whatever gain I had, whatever I was living for, whatever defined my life, whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Missionary Jim Elliott, who was murdered in Ecuador, had written about 10 years before that in the Wheaton College newspaper these words which many of you know he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose it is well possible that you may be giving your life hanging on to something you cannot keep Paul says what things were gained to me those I counted loss for Christ. You have an opportunity this very day to give up what you cannot keep in order to gain what you cannot lose. Can you say For me to die is gain. Can you say for me to live is Christ? On May 10th, 1863, Stonewall Jackson lay dying in Guinea Station, Virginia of pneumonia. Developed as he lay in the bed recovering from the amputation of his right arm after injuries sustained in the Battle of Chancellorsville. On his last day, his wife, Anna, told him he was near death. She said to him in old flowery, upper crust southern language of the mid-1800s. The doctor says you must very soon be in heaven. Do you know if you're willing to acquiesce in God's allotment if he wills you to die today? Twice, the general said, I prefer it. And he assured 
his wife. I will be an infinite gainer. I will be an infinite gainer. Don't you want to die like that? Our people die well. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. What is your life? What is your death? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.